Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Series last week called Pray. We talked about the fact that your prayer life uh, reveals intimacy levels. You are intimate with who you pray to, who you pray for, and who you pray with. And your, the, 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 the maturity of your prayer life is not determined by how many prayer meetings you go to. It's determined by your lifestyle that's consistent without ceasing. I never hit the stop button in my prayer life. I hit pause sometimes but never stop. That reveals the depth of relationship. So watch this video and see where we're headed today. Hot buns, hot patooties. Wow, Dina, everything looks fabulous. Well, I'll tell you something, it's such a treat for me to have a home-cooked meal like this. Dinner at my house usually consisted of everybody in the kitchen fighting over containers of Chinese food. Oh, you poor thing. What, there wasn't enough food to go around, Greg? No, there was. We just never really sat down like family like this. Oh. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You know that. You're telling me? Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace at many a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day, day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day. My day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. <laughs> Ah, prayer. When we start talking about prayer, people get nervous because they're uh, not sure they know how to pray. 
Uh, we get confused over prayer. We get frustrated over prayer. Anybody ever heard anybody pray like that? I've been in a few where you kind of get in going this way, and you don't know, so you just start trying to make stuff rhyme. You ever been there? Uh, I know you've heard preachers do that. We do that junk all the time, right? So, uh, uh, in fact, I've got a little run in this message today. It's got a little rhyme in it just to make you feel good. But uh, anyway, that, that's, that's why we struggle with prayer. We come into situations like he finds himself, and we don't know what to pray, man. It's just like day by day. We don't know what to say, and so we struggle. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to look at a pattern, uh, a pattern that the Scripture gives us. We've Most of you that have been in church for any amount of time have heard the pattern that we're going to deal with, but it becomes confusing if we're not careful. We get bogged down into it. And so what I wanted to do today is make this very simple. I want to help you take your prayer life from this. Father, bless my mom, my dad. My dog, have a great day. I'll talk to you later. See ya. All right, there, there, there's got to be more than that. There's got to be this depth about our prayer. And so I think the best place to find that depth is to find a pattern that we can pray that will teach us how to pray that way. So what I want you to do is I want you to turn to Luke chapter 11. And I want us to go into Luke, and what we're going to look at is a very abbreviated form of what we now call the Lord's Prayer. There, You can find it in other sections of Scripture, and it gets longer and longer. And I've heard people preach and teach about it to the point that I go, man, I could never remember all of that. But in Luke, it is so precise and so simple that it's a very abbreviated system that you can pray that will help your, your prayer life to mature. So here's what it says. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. One day he was praying, that being Jesus, one day he was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Master, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So he said, here it is, here's the pattern. When you pray, say, Father, reveal who you are. Then he says, set the world right. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Pattern. It's a pattern. The first thing that strikes me out of this account is this. Prayer is a learning process. It is an, it is an, an intriguing thing to me that Jesus' disciples come to him after hearing him pray and say to him, teach us how to pray. They apparently understood that just because you're in relationship with Jesus does not mean that you have a master's degree in prayer. Just because you got saved one day doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to know how to pray. And so they come to him and say, look, we need you to, if you can do anything, we could ask you for all kinds of things. But what we really want you to do is there's something about your prayer life that has intrigued us to the point that we want you to teach us how to pray. See, I wonder, I'm concerned. I think that many of us, our prayer life is stuck at the level it began at. Many of you are still praying at the same exact level of maturity and depth that you prayed on the day you got saved. There's been no development. There's been no learning. And so your prayer life is stuck. And what the disciples reveal is that prayer is a learning process. You should pray at a deeper level now than the day you got saved. Your prayer life should be different now than it was five years ago. Your prayer life ought to be more multifaceted now than it was even five months ago. You got to learn how to pray. Let me use the natural to illustrate the supernatural. When you have a two-year-old child, you don't mind it when your child comes to you at two years old and says, feed me. 
change me. Give me a drink. Spank me. No, they never say that. I wish they would say that, but they don't. They don't have to ask for that. We just do that naturally. So they're two years old. We don't mind that simplistic kind of unlearned conversation. But when they're 23 years old, if they walk in the house and they go, Mama, feed me, it makes you just want to, like, minister to them with grace and mercy, right? Or they give me. I want. By the time they're 23 years old, you are anticipating and demanding that they have a more multifaceted ability to communicate effectively with you as a parent. Why is our prayer life any different? Why do we think that we can be saved for 20 years and still pray the same exact elementary prayers that we prayed then? There should be this maturing process in us where we learn to communicate more effectively with our Father. I just think that some of us need to examine our prayer life. Are we praying? at a deeper level than we did last week. How do we know? How do we know if our prayer life is maturing? Very simply, let me show you. Uh, when's, the last some, when's the last time somebody heard you pray and then approached you and said, teach me how to pray like you pray? Notice, if you will, not only Jesus, but John's disciples came on the scene, heard them pray, and were so impressed and moved by their deep prayer life that they went to them and said, could you please teach us to pray like you pray? I wonder if that doesn't reveal our prayer maturity, because if we are developing in our prayer life, there ought to become this time in our life where somebody hears us pray, not impressed by fancy words not impressed by eloquence, not trying to impress somebody by getting all the rhythms and rhymes right, but they are next to us and they hear the depth and the relationship and the one-on-one ability of our prayer life, and they say, I want to pray like them. I can still remember as a little boy, I don't know if he even knew I was doing this, but at 9, 10 years old, I, I, uh, I, get, I, I can remember walking up the stairs of our house and walking past my father's bedroom, my mom and dad's bedroom, and in the darkness, I would see this figure kneel down next to his bed, and, and I could hear him praying. I would often, without him knowing, I would sneak up the stairs and stand next to the doorway to listen to my dad pray. I wanted to learn how to pray by listening to the depth of his prayer. It wasn't just kneeling down and saying, thank you, God, for a good day. Thank you for blessing our house. There were, the, you know, thank you for taking care of the dog. Thank you for letting Steve take the trash out. You know, there was this depth of communication. It was almost like as if God was in the room. He was. And I wanted to learn how to pray. Uh, one of our own church folks, uh, I, I, I worked for Dr. Beecham. I can remember on a regular basis, sitting in our office suite, and I would go to a staff meeting, and he would stop and say, let's pray, and I would be in awe, listening to the depth, not the fanciness of the prayer. It was this, this almost as if the switch was turned on, and at the moment he opened his mouth, it was like God entered the room because he knew, I want, I want people to be around me and say, hey, could you teach me how to pray like that? That reveals whether there's any maturity in your prayer life. Who's asking you whether or not they can learn to pray like you? See, Jesus honored his disciples' requests. I just, I just want to clue you in. Jesus responds to hunger. His disciples were hungry to learn to pray. Can I tell you this morning that if you would get hungry for the presence of God, if you would get hungry to learn how to pray, if you would get hungry for the face of God, God always responds to that type of hunger. And so Jesus says, well, boys, if you want to learn how to pray, come on, I'll show you. And he instructs them. And he does it very succinctly in Luke, very to the point. 
And I am trying to help you this morning to learn a pattern that will take your prayer life to the next level so that when somebody's around you and they hear you pray, they will go, I wonder where they learned that. I want to pray like that. Here it is, very quickly. The first thing Jesus said when he's teaching them to pray is this. Guys, pray that God will be revealed. Notice now that Jesus could have said, when you get ready to pray, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to pray for world peace. Especially if you're in a beauty contest because you always got to say, I'm asking God for world peace. So you need to learn to pray for peace. He could have said, in light of the economic circumstances of our society, when you begin your prayers, why don't you start your prayers like this? God, please bless the world financially. He could have said, start your prayers with asking for healing. He could have said all this stuff, but the very first thing he said is he says this, pray and ask God to reveal himself. See, I, I just need you to understand how, impo how important that prayer is because I think Jesus knew this truth that we have got to grasp, and that is this. Jesus knew that most of the stuff that we spend the majority of our prayer time on and in would be resolved if we had a revelation of who God was. Y'all didn't catch that? That went right over your heads or under you. I don't know where I'm at with you right now. But you missed that. But you cannot miss that truth. Jesus understood that most of the stuff that we spend our time praying over and about and for and pleading for God would be resolved in one instant if God would reveal himself to us because it would answer that question. I need a healing. Well, then if we'd get a revelation of God as a healer, then that would be resolved. I need provision. If we would understand and get a revelation that God is a God of provision, that that, that that would be our answer. If we would say, I need peace. If we'd get a revelation of God as a peace speaker, we would understand. We don't have to deal with that. That's who he is. If I need hope, I don't have to pray for hope because I see a revelation that God is my hope. I just need a revelation of who he is. I think that most of our prayers start from a place of lack of revelation. And we spend all of our time spinning our wheels on things that don't really need to be the focus of our attention if we would just get a revelation of who God is. I want to challenge you to quit praying, starting your prayers off with any other way but this. God, reveal yourself. Well, you don't understand, Steve. My marriage is about to break up. Then just pray. God, reveal yourself in my marriage. God, you don't understand. My body's falling apart and I need a healing. Then just stop. Quit, quit praying for healing and say, God, I need you to reveal yourself in my physical body. Guess what? He is healing. God, I need, I need a new job. You don't understand my, my job's right. Then stop praying about your job and just pray this. God, reveal yourself in my life. Reveal your, yourself in my destiny and my purpose and see what he does at your job. See, I'm convinced of this. Lack of revelation leads us to lack of preparation. Here's the rhyme little sequence for you for those of you that need to feel like you've been preached at. Lack of revelation in our prayers determines that we lack preparation because since we don't know who God really is, we don't prepare ourselves that he would actually come through. Lack of preparation leads, or revelation leads to lack of separation. Because if we had a revelation of who God was, we would separate ourselves from the cares of life and we would understand he's got it all under control. It 
lack of revelation of who God is leads us to lack of sanctification because if we had a revelation of who God was, we wouldn't have to pray about who to hang out with and where to go and how we should spend our time and who we should marry and who we should date and all this kind of stuff. We would know exactly who we were supposed to be with because as we get a revelation of the fact that God is holy and He is, uh, he is other, He's not a part of all this and He expects us to be other and holy, then we would come and we would separate ourselves and be sanctified. We have no revelation of who God is. And so this morning, I want to challenge you that during your next prayer time, over the course of this week, as you get up every morning, as you go to bed every night, start your prayer off right. Start it off this way. God, be revealed. That'll solve a whole lot of stuff. The second thing he says this, he says, you should pray that God would be revealed. And then second, the second part of your the pattern, the prayer pattern is this. Then pray this. God set the world right. How many of you know our world needs to be set right? Oh, God, set the world right. What's he saying? He's saying before you do anything else, after God has been revealed, which shows our desperation for him, and we come to acknowledgement of who he is, then we begin to pray for the needs of others. Here's the pattern. Too many of us get this wrong. The pattern is this. We ask God to be revealed, and then we begin to pray for the needs of others. Our prayers are predominantly about us. We spend more time praying, God bless me, God favor me, God prosper me, God heal me, God protect me, God do all this stuff for me. And we fail to start the prayer off in the right order. It's pray that God would be revealed and then second, pray that God would set the world right. I pray for the needs of others because if I can ever get my eyes off of me, I will recognize that there are needs around me. Before we can pray for our world, we have to pray for our world. We get the order wrong. Jesus said, start it off by asking God to be revealed. Then he says, go pray that the world will be right. Let's determine in our prayer life to start with the needs of others. Why? Why is that important? Same reason I've taught you, I don't know how many times in the past, I'm going to say it again. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. And if you would ever get the prayer order right and begin to pray that God would set the world right and begin to pray for the pain and the heartache of other people around you and get your eyes off of yourself, then something interesting happens. When you make that happen for somebody else, isn't it interesting that God usually has somebody praying for you? Yeah. Here's the second part of that is that when you really begin to pray for people and their heartache and their pain and their needs, prayer will compel you to take action. Some of you are the answer to the prayer you've been praying. Some of you, God will lead you to pray for people, but he wants you to move on into this realm of prayer where God begins to compel you to take action to do what you've been praying about. Pray that God will set the world right. Well, it's implied. Who's going to set the world right? We are. As we pray, God will use us to set the world right. So that's how we've got to pray. Pray for the needs of others. Then he says this. After you've prayed that God would be revealed, after you pray that God would set the world right, here, here it is. Here's the part we like. Pray for your needs. Notice the order. We don't need a lot of instruction here. Most of us have a master's degree on this part right here. We've graduated with, with uh, honors right here. We know how to pray for our needs. In fact, our needs becomes the prominent feature of our prayers. But I want you to see what Jesus says. 
Jesus says, pray that God will be revealed. I'm, I'm repeating this over and over again so you get it, the pattern. Pray that God will be revealed. Pray for the needs of others. Then he says this, pray for your needs. But listen how he says, just ask him for the basics. Three square meals. What's he saying? That he doesn't, he doesn't like it when I keep praying the same thing? There is, there is value to persistence. But I think most of us continue to bring our needs to God over and over and over again, not out of persistence, but out of doubt. We really don't think he's going to come through. Oh, y'all didn't hear me? You were too busy messing with your neighbor to understand what I just said. We keep asking God for the same needs over and over and over again, not out of persistence, but out of doubt, because we don't think he will remember, and we don't think he will come through. But if we would get a revelation of who he was, and is, that's where the prayer starts. When we finally get to where we get to pray about our needs, then because we know who he is and we have such a dependence on him, then when it's time to pray for us, we just go, I'll just take the basics. Well, what about all the other stuff? I'll take the basics because I know if he is who he said he is, then I don't have to worry about all the other stuff. Y'all ain't helping me now, but I'm helping somebody this morning. Quit begging him for everything and just come to him one morning and say this, God, because I've had a revelation of who you are, basics, please. And walk away. Well, what if he forgets? You need a revelation. What if he doesn't want to come through? You desperately need a revelation of who he is. Pray for your needs but do it in the right order and do it in the right manner, which is to simply say three square meals and move on. Ask him for the basics. God, reveal yourself. Set the world right. Pray for my needs. And the last one is this. Pray for forgiveness and protection. You mean I only need to pray for four things every day? Yeah, that's the pattern. Let me teach you some things about forgiveness and protection because there are several important issues here you need to know. Number one is this. You should be constantly checking to make sure that we are that you and I are living forgiven with the Father and with others. Jesus said, after you've prayed for your own needs, ask God to forgive you and then ask Him to help you to live forgiving. I think too many of us are like Johnny. Johnny was at home with his mom. I, I, I don't know if they had a day off at school. I don't know if it's fall break, but Johnny was driving mama crazy. So uh, mama said, Johnny, I'm sending you to the room. You stay in there until you think this through. So Johnny goes to his room, and about three minutes later comes out all smiles and says, Mama, I prayed. And mama's impressed. Well, that's great, Johnny. Man, Johnny, I'm so proud of you. When you pray and ask God to help you to quit misbehaving, he always does. And Johnny said, wait a minute. I didn't pray and ask him to help me quit misbehaving. What I prayed was that you'd learn to put up with me. And I think what most of us do if we're not careful is we did one check with God for forgiveness and we say, God, forgive me of my sins. Let me come into relationship with you. And then what we, we may not actually pray this, but we live this way. Then we just go, God, after that, you just got to learn to put up with me. And we do that to those around us, too. We, we get forgiveness to begin with, and then we never check in again, and we just say, well, y'all just going to have to put up with me. That's just the way I am. I'm just born that way. And what Jesus said was there should be this constant checking in to make sure that I am in great relationship with the Father and great relationship with my fellow brothers and sisters. Why? The second reason why is this. Living forgiven demands 
that we live forgiving. I'm going to say that again because I don't think some of you got it. Living forgiven demands that we live forgiving. It is, let me, let, can, I, can I just give you honest confessions of a pastor today? I'm just going to be transparent. Here it is, here it is. I have to pray myself into being a forgiving person. I know y'all didn't know that about me. But when you do me wrong, I just want to, like, hire a hitman or something. I don't know. You know, yeah, call fire. Man, I can call. Maybe you're not like that. But I have this sneaking suspicion since that's human nature that most of us are like that. Jesus says that what you got to do is be in this constant prayer where you say, you know what, I am willing to offer forgiveness at the same level at which I received it. Therefore, since I received forgiveness freely with no strings attached, then I must become a person that is forgiving and become this person that offers forgiveness with no strings attached. Then why is it that I've discovered that most Christians are the most offendable, grudge-holding, revenge-seeking people on the stinking planet? We will, we will come up with designs to exact revenge. Some of us will wait years to revenge. I mean, we won't talk to one another. Church won't sit in the same pew, won't have anything to do with one another. And 20 years from now, once I get my opportunity, I'll strike. Why are we like that? Jesus said that if we are forgiven, we must be forgiving. And what I am asking you to do is understand that there is power in forgiveness. Some of you just need to spend some time in this type of prayer. You desperately need the forgiveness quotient to go up in your life. You're like me. You need to spend some significant prayer time and say, God, let me forgive those that have spitefully used me. Let me forgive those that have talked bad about me. Let, those, let me forgive those that have laughed at me. Let those, those people that have offended me, let me come to the place where I can forgive them. Who do you need to forgive? Because I want you to catch number three. Because if you don't forgive, what happens is you find yourself exposed and vulnerable, and then you wonder why. And you never realize that our own spirit of unforgiveness exposes us to gaps in our protection. Here's the truth. Here's number three about forgiveness. Forgiveness positions us for protection by keeping us safe from us. Notice the order. Jesus says, after you prayed for, the, for, prayed for a revelation of the Father, the, the world to be set right, pray for your own needs, and you ask God to forgive you, then you pray for protection. In other words... Forgiveness stands between you and protection. Y'all didn't get that. Forgiveness is positioned between you and protection. We underestimate the power of forgiveness and unforgiveness in our lives. And at the moment that you refuse to forgive, protection is removed. I'm trying to help you here this morning. You need to come back to the place where you understand the power of forgiveness so that you forgive those that have hurt you so that the protection comes back over your life. Do we need protection? Absolutely. But I want you to also notice the order here too. Jesus said when you pray, pray that God will keep you safe from you and then from the devil. See, there's a principle in the Bible that says give credit where credit is due. Uh, another secret confession of a pastor. I need protection from me. Don't look at me like that. You need protection from you. 
Is there a devil out there? Jesus acknowledges in the last phrase of that prayer, he says, and pray for protection from the enemy. There is an enemy out there. The enemy's design and desire is to destroy you and kill you and take everything out of your life, right? We know that. So we should play like I plead the blood over my family. Absolutely. We should put up a hedge of protection around our kids. Absolutely. You should pray against the enemy. But most of our time we spend praying against the enemy, what we really ought to be praying is, God, please protect us from us because I'm stupid. I make stupid decisions. I make stupid choices. I do stupid stuff because I'm hard-headed. And if you could just save me from me, I I've been credited to the devil, but the devil didn't have nothing to do with it. See, some of y'all blaming some junk on the devil that the devil didn't do. Now, the devil got in it after you made the decision to do it, and he made the outcome worse than it would have been because that's his job. But if God would have just stepped in and we would have prayed, God, protect me from me. How many of you would recognize this this morning? We are our own worst enemy. Our, our greatest enemy is not out there in the world, in the spiritual realm. Our greatest enemy is looking us right back in the mirror. Okay, we're going to be real honest. I'm going to put my hand up so you all know I'm not just doing it to get you to follow me. I am admitting this. I'm the first one with my hand up. Are you ready? How many of you would say this week, I made my Christian walk harder than it should have been? Come on, see, if we would have just said, Jesus, protect us from us, then my thought life wouldn't go where it goes. My, my channel selection wouldn't go where it goes. My time wouldn't go where it goes. My addiction wouldn't go where it goes. My relationship wouldn't. I wouldn't treat my kid. I wouldn't treat my wife. I wouldn't treat, treat my boss. I, I wouldn't because he protected us from us. Here's the pattern. Get it into your spirit. We're getting ready to practice it. Number one, God, reveal yourself. That'll shorten your prayer life way up. Oh, I didn't say it would take less time. It would just shorten your prayer part up. God, reveal yourself. Two, make the world right. Find people in need and pray for them. And then after I've spent time doing that, three, I get to pray for me. But it's going to be a short prayer. God, you know my needs. Give me what I need. And because you're my father, I know that you will. And then I spend time saying, God, forgive me. And I pray that you'd help me to forgive others. Protect Steve from Steve. And then if the enemy comes along, protect me from him too, but start with me. That's it. That's the whole pattern. I want to tell you something this morning, though. If you will begin to pray like that, your prayer life will change. Oh, God, bless my mama, my daddy, my cat, my dog, my fish, my car, my job, my, my teachers, my brothers, my sisters, and I'll check in again tomorrow. Amen. Isn't that really how about most of our prayer life is right there? If you want people to learn to pray like you pray, then you ought to pray this, Father, reveal yourself. Meet the needs of those around me. Give me my basic needs. Forgive me and protect me from me and the enemy. I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to practice. There are all kinds of patterns. Some of you are falling into the same patterns in your life. Cycles of destruction. If you would ever just get a revelation of God.
if you would ever just get your eyes off of you, if you would ever come to this place where you said, you know what, Jesus, protect me from me. I'm tired of making the same silly decisions. Help me, God. I want to pray over you, and then we're going to do something to act this out. Father, I want you to pray with me. Now, you don't have to repeat after me, just in your own way. You've got to make this pattern your own, but I'm just going to pray this pattern over you. Father, this morning, I just pray you would reveal yourself here. God, I, I can't go around the room and ask each individual what they need. But if you would just give us a revelation of you, it would answer all of that. I could spend hours praying over each need, but the truth is, Father, my prayer this morning is this. The cry of my heart is this. Reveal yourself to us. And Father, I pray, secondly, that you would meet the needs of those around me. I pray for all those in pain, in heartache, in destruction, in despair. Needs I may not even know about because they hide them really well. Father, I pray for the needs of our world. I pray you'd set our world right. God, you didn't call us to sing our world right. You didn't call us to criticize our world to, to be right. You didn't say rail against the world and they'll change their direction. No, you said pray. We pray for our world to be right. Don't let us underestimate the power of our prayers. Set the world right. Father, you know my needs. I could list them all out in great detail, but you know what I need. And this morning, I just ask you to meet my basic needs and allow me to grow content. And then, Father, last but not least, I pray that you ask, that as you've asked us to do, I pray that you would forgive me. Any discretion, indiscretion, any fault, any failure, forgive me, God, and help me to live forgiving. I pray that when people offend me, I will offer them grace. I pray that when people do me wrong, Rather than trying to get even, I will just love on them. God, I know there's a devil out there, and I know he wants to destroy me, but he's got to get through me first. So, God, I just pray you'd protect me from me. He'll try to use me. And so I pray you'd help me to make the right decisions, think about the right things, to make the right choices. I pray that you would just simply protect Steve from Steve, that I wouldn't make this thing harder than it really is that I would make the right decisions to walk in freedom, that I would make the right decisions necessary to walk in grace, that I would make the right decisions to do what you've called me to do. Just protect me from me. And then I'll just turn the devil over to you because I know you can kick his rear and you already have. And I just pray I wouldn't give him ammunition against me. In Jesus' name. That's the prayer pattern. Here's how we're going to end. I want you to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are very articulate in prayer. Maybe you need to put that aside this morning because we get lost in your words. Do you understand that when somebody says to you, I will pray for you, they are giving you the greatest gift they could ever give you? Because they are totally restructured their prayer life to put you before their own needs. That's what I'm asking you to do this morning. Is to give the greatest gift you could give somebody. And this is how I want us to do it. I just want you to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to walk up to somebody, look them square in the eye. And just say this to them. I am praying that God will set your world right. I don't know what's wrong with them. They do. I don't know the needs of their life. They do. 
And when you look them square in the eye and say, man, I'm praying for you that God would set your world right, something kicks off in the supernatural and change occurs. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman. What does it do? It avails much. What's fancy King James language to mean this? When you get somebody that will look you in the eye and say, I'll pray your world will be set right, something goes off in the heavenlies and changes taking place. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit this morning. Press past your insecurities. Look them square in the eye and say, I'm praying your world will be set right and you're free to go. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.